This message is brought to you by the Metamorphosis Christian Center. Ministering is an elder in the house and the wife of the founding pastor. Please welcome Pastor Fumi Ashaolu. God bless you as you listen. Good morning, everyone, once again. We're going to go ahead and look at the life of um, David this morning. We started out last week looking at his life. Even though we didn't seriously get into his life, we looked at the life of um, of um, um, Saul. We looked at his neighbor, Saul. Because when the Lord, uh, when, when the Lord said to um, Prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, he said, see, how long will you keep mourning after this guy? You can see that I've left him. I want you to fill your, 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 your flask of, with oil and get moving because I've, I've, um, I've chosen somebody, you know, that will run, that, that will do this task for me. And when Prophet Samuel was before King Saul, that was part of what he said to him. He said, see, God has taken his kingdom away from you and he has given it to your neighbor. So we looked, so we can see that David and Dan and, Sam and Saul you know, they were neighbors. So we looked at the neighbor's life last week. And so this morning we are going to be looking into the life of um, David. We want to say thank you for um, um, Mr. Bolu. We want to say thank you, Mr. Bolu, Mr. Fumi. Thank you so much for the time that you have led us. All right, I want us to just go. Let's open up 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. We will look at, um, you just put your finger there, 1 Samuel 16. I want you to open to 2 Samuel 2, 2. 2 Samuel 2. Our text is taken from like three different chapters this morning. Amen. 1 Samuel 16, I'll read verse 1. Then we'll go ahead and read verse six, uh, verse um, 13. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Then we'll read 13 before we go to 2 Samuel. Okay, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your own with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. All right, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 2. We'll see 2 Samuel chapter 2 and then we'll see chapter 5 also. Chapter 2, we'll see verses 1 to 4. So it happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? And he said to Hebron. So David went up there and his two wives also. Ahinom the Jezreelites and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Camelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household. So they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Verse 4. Then the men of Judah came and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, let, 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 let's just stop there. So what we are seeing is 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Then also verse 1, the Lord said, I want you to get up and go anoint 
the new person that I've chosen to lead my people. And then um, we saw in verse 13 that the prophet anointed David. Prophet anointed David. Like we said last week, Saul too was anointed. Because if you, you know, the, um, the Bible says that for, for Samuel 16 that we read, um, 16 verse 13, it says, As soon as he was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Last week I made you see also that when Saul got anointed, the Spirit of God came upon him. But the beginning is not the real deal. The beginning ought to be good, but the, bet- the end is far better. And so um, Saul, um, David started out with the Lord here. He was anointed, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then we see in 2 Samuel chapter 2, that we just read now 1 to 4, that some of his people, some of his, um, the, the people of Israel, just a, a portion of them, the men of Judah, as verse, verse 4 says, then the men of Judah came, uh, they came there. Then they anointed David. So we can see the partial fulfillment of the word that the Lord gave to David. That you are going to rule my people. You, 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 you know, as we go through the study of his life, you will see that he had to wait several years before the fulfillment of the word of God came. But we want to look at the kind of man that he, he, he was. What made him chosen? What made Saul disqualified? What made God say Eliab is not Eliab? Don't look at Eliab. You know, God said, you know, men will look at the hearts, but will look at the outward expressions and things that people do. But God said, me, I look at the hearts. The heart is important to me. The heart is the is the operating system. That is what governs everything that every man does. I don't look at what people do on the outside. I look at the condition, the state, the quality of their heart. And that is why we want to take some time to look at the life of David and see the quality of his heart so that we can glean from it. The word of the Lord says to us that um, the things that have been written, the things that all the stories of um, um, you know, the accounts of men of God, women of God, have been written in the Bible, have been written for us so that we don't make their mistakes. You know, like people say experience is the best teacher, but we have learned it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be my own experience. I can learn from a bad experience that somebody had. I can learn lesson from it. I can learn wisdom from it. So we want to glean from the life of the man David. Because the word of the Lord says he is a man or he was a man after God's heart. He called himself the sweet psalmist of Israel. He wasn't a perfect man by no standard. He had a lot of um, issues in his life, a lot of crises, a lot of disruptions. You know, disruptions and crises, some he brought upon himself. We remember the story of Bathsheba very well. You know, he brought some crises upon himself, some crises he had no hand in it. It was just destiny calling out to him, you know, calling out to him. At times when promotions want to come, it might come in a way that it demands of you. It tasks you. It tasks your strength. It tasks your ability. And so we don't run away from challenges, from um, um, crises, disruptions. The Lord disrupts, you know, he allows the disruptions of life a lot. God allows disruption. You know, you have planned, this is how you want to do your life. I have planned, I'm going to school, I'm going to study medical sciences. When I come out, I'll be a medical doctor. And then you come out, the Lord comes calling, you know, knocking at your door. And he says to you, you know what? I want you to be a missionary to Congo. I want you to be a missionary to Egypt. (laughs) That is the Lord. So he, quote and unquote, he disrupts our lives like that. So there are some disruptions in quotes that come, but they are, they are like our destiny calling out to us. 
they stretch us. They are not the things that we have planned for our lives, but the Lord has planned that through these things, our lives become, you know, what he wants them to be. So we want to take a sneak peek, uh, you know, we want to take a look at the life of um, David and see the quality of heart that he had. What made up the quality of his heart? How did he come about it? You know, like I said, he, he was not um, a perfect man by any standard. He wasn't perfect at all. He had a lot of issues. And the, another thing is that the Lord did not spare David at all. He had issues. God did not spare him. Every time that you know, he, he did one thing or the other, even towards the tail end of his life in Second Samuel 22, I believe, 22, 20, no, 23, he still did what God said. God said, don't count. He still counted people. You know, he wasn't a perfect person. And so he, he becomes a perfect example for us. He qualifies well for us to look at his life because he wasn't perfect. He was just like you and I. Amen. He was just like you and I. Is, I don't think for David that his life was even, his destiny was even prophesied before he was born. You know, I, I don't have, we don't have anything like that in the records, in the Bible, concerning David. So, for you also, your life might not have been prophesied that this is how your life is going to turn out. This is who I've chosen you to be. But we have to cooperate with God because we know whether God has prophesied it or not prophesied it, you know, um, you know word for word. We have a, sure, a more sure word of prophecy in the scriptures. We know that there is a plan for our lives, every single one of us. And so we want to cooperate with the Lord by looking at the life of this man so that we can learn a couple of things for our own lives. And I'm trusting this morning that indeed, as we have prayed, grace is poured out. And you are going to hear the heart of the Father. You are going to be corrected areas where you need, to, where you need help in the name of Jesus. You are going to be corrected. You will receive grace you will receive grace to understand what the Lord would have you understand this morning. Amen. Okay, so um, that's Second Samuel 2 that we've read. We saw the partial fulfillment that the men of Judah came and they made David king. That was just partial fulfillment. It wasn't the full. The full we see in Second Samuel 5 from 1 to 5. Please read along with me. Then all the, Let's read out loud. Then all the tribes of Israel, 2 Samuel 5, 1 to 5. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, so they, they, they are even aware of the prophecy of God over his life. Amen. They were aware over, of the prophecy of God over his life. We are going to just go ahead. Verse 2 says, no, verse, uh, verse 3 now. They are aware of the prophecy of God over his life. Amen. So they said to him, and the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king. Now see that verse 3. You know, verse 4, I told you that verse 4, it was just the men of Judah, just a couple of them. That was just a part of, of the nation of Israel. It wasn't totally, so it wasn't a full, a full fulfillment of the word of God to him. But we see in verse 3 of 2 Samuel 5, Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and um, King David. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. Verse 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. 
Verse 5, in Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and three and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So here in chapter 5, you can see a full fulfillment of the word of the Lord to David. I just want to let you know that all of us have different eyes and laws in our lives. We have, um, you know, we go through processes, processes in our life that draw us closer and closer to the plan, the purpose of God for your life and for my life. And the truth is we, we change. We become a different person. When we started out with, with the Lord, you are not that same person that started out, I'm too sure. That the person that started out this journey of where you became born again, you became a child of God, is not the same person that I'm talking to this morning. You have moved. You have, you have, you have gone better. You are, you are a lot better. But there is still ground to be covered. Amen. And we, are, we want to do all that is within our powers to cover all the grounds that the Lord would have us cover. Because we want a fulfillment of the word of God concerning our lives. All that the Lord has said concerning me, I want everything to be fully fleshed out. You know, I woke up, when was that? I think that should be yesterday morning or Friday morning, I can't remember. Um, a man of God, one of my husband's friends, called. And, you know, of course, I woke up, I prayed, and I had some concerns in my heart. And I, I prayed over everything and, you know, left it at that. This, this man of God called hours later, he was still in the morning, and he said to me, Pastor Fumi, God said to me last night, so it was the night before that the Lord spoke to him. And he started saying several, he started saying some things to me. I'm not, I'm not going around looking for prophecy. I'm not looking for the word of God because I'm sure of the word of God over my life. I'm, I can read the Bible, okay? So I know what the Lord has proposed, even if I don't have, you know, quote and unquote prophecy said to me. So then he said several things. He said about me, said about the children, said about you, the church, metamorphosis as a church. So, and I'm like, God, thank you. Because every time the Lord brings a word to us, he wants you to remember that I'm still with you and I have not changed my mind. You know, and I was reading through the book of Agai sometime in the afternoon yesterday. I came to Agai 2, I think maybe like four, uh, the first um, six, seven verses. I looked at it and I'm like, this is like God talking to these people again, what he has said to them before. And every time the Lord talks to you what he has said to you before, is because he wants you to get up and get started. Be, be faithful, be diligent with what he doesn't tell us all these things that you are, especially the ones you already know. He doesn't tell you again to make you feel good, to make you know that I've not forgotten you. Every time he says it, that's if he's saying, See, my, 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 my stand, I've not changed it. So go ahead and do what I've asked you to do. It's an encouragement to go ahead and do it. He doesn't give us these words for, for us to feel good. Oh, God is with me, God is speaking to me. No. Much more than that is a word to push you further. It's a word to make you go on and embrace what God has said concerning your life. I said to us last week, and I'm, and I'm still going to talk about it this today. Let me just mention it now. Is the fact that um, we are not here to battle and battle and battle over sin. You know, I'm not sinning, I'm sinning, you know, I'm, not, I'm repenting. We have to get up and go past that. There is an assignment for your life. There is an assignment for my life. There is a purpose of God. God is doing plenty of things on the face of the earth and he wants our cooperation. He needs us to get up and be about. If the Lord has ordained that your assignment is in the place of your, in your place of work in your office, you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a business person, you have to be a CEO, you have to be a missionary, you have to be, you know, this and be that. We need to rise up and be all that God would want us to be. Amen. So that is why we're going to look at the life of um, David this morning. We're going to start out, this is like an X-ray of his life. We just want to look at, um, because he was raised in the same environment as Saul, raised in the same environment as Eliab. 
but it turned out differently. What made him different? Uh, today, I'm sure we'll just be able to look at about um, two, two, two points. So the very first one, looking at the life of David, is this. He was given to gratitude. David was a man given to gratitude. David was a man given to gratitude. He magnified God a lot. He was a grateful person. One thing you will find out is that people that are grateful are not given to entitlement mentality at all. I hope you know what entitlement mentality means. Where you think, you know, you, you deserve this, you deserve that. Somebody should do this for you, another person should do that for you, God, you know, uh, this should happen, that one. When you are a grateful person, you don't take anything for granted. Everything that comes your way, you are seriously, um, um, what's it called? You are seriously grateful to the Lord for it. Amen. You are grateful to the Lord. You are, you, you, you are happy. You, are, you, you feel fortunate. You feel, uh, you know, you feel good. You, you don't take it as this is my right. You take it as God, you are good. You are, you, you, Thanksgiving comes naturally to you. Thanksgiving comes naturally. Amen. So David is one person that we see that was given to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was his thing. He, you know, he, amen. Thanksgiving was his thing. He, he knew how to, how to be grateful to the Lord, how to appreciate every small thing, every small thing. He did not see anything as small, as I'm calling it small like this. David didn't see anything as small at all. Amen. I want us to see Second Samuel. Let's see Second Samuel 7. I'll read, I think, just verse 18 in that place, but you can write 18 to 29 down. David was a man that prioritized thanking God. He prioritized seeing God beyond seeing problems and challenges. His life was, you know, he had a lot of challenges. Right from a tender age, he was the smallest. And he was the one they sent to the wilderness or to the, to the, to the, to the bush to go and be taking care of animals. It wasn't a small, um, what's it called, assignment that he was saddled with at a very tender age. He had a lot of challenges. You know, at some point, we know the story. The father said, go to the, to the war front, take supplies to your brothers. And he was misunderstood. Eliab, this same Eliab that God said, you know, I have not chosen him, was um, 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 accusing him. Said, I know what is in your heart. You, you are a very arrogant person, you know. David had a lot of challenges. And then he got, after a while, he got anointed, got anointed as king. The very first thing that happened after being anointed as, as king was the fact that he, he was called into the palace to come be a psalmist, be playing, you know, playing away evil spirits and bad mood swings away from King Saul. After, you know, I, I don't know for how long he did that. King Saul was ready to kill him. For what? He didn't do anything bad. He didn't do anything bad. He went to war. The people were crying. David had killed, you know, 10,000 and Saul. You know, Saul has done 10,000. Uh, no, 1,000. David has done 10. The people, the women that were singing, they were very insensitive. They didn't even know the problem they could bring to David. Amen. They didn't know the problem they could bring to David, but, you know, they just went singing. And because Saul, King Saul heard that, he developed a trade for David. What did David do? How did he contribute to that one? You, you, nothing. He didn't do anything. He had no hand in it. You know? So I, I told you earlier on that crisis, you know, his life invited crisis that it didn't, didn't originate from him, even though some originated from him. But this man, in spite of all that he went through you know, as a child, even after he got um, anointed, before he became king, before we saw the partial fulfillment of the word and the uh, full fulfillment, 
a lot of things happened in his life, but in spite of it, he kept his cool. He knew to thank God. He knew to give thanks to God. I'll read from verse 18 of 2 Samuel 7. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? That just bringing me this far self is enough. If you read verse 19, he said, even this one is nothing to you because you have even promised something greater. You read from this verse 18 up until 29, it was David speaking to the Lord. Just, you know, um, 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 just pouring out his mind before the Lord, magnifying the Lord, appreciating the Lord. This was after the ark was brought into Jerusalem. And he went back home and he had a thought in his heart. He said, ah, I'm in my own house. The ark of the Lord is dwelling outside in tents. I want to build a house for the Lord. And he, he told the prophet Nathan, Nathan said, go ahead, do what's in your heart. And the Lord said to Nathan afterwards, you know what, go back to David and tell him. I appreciate the fact that he has good plans. He wants to ensure that the, 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 the ark is, is in a good building, the same way he's in a building, but I've never said I'm looking for a house to dwell in, ever since I led Israel out of Egypt. So tell him he shouldn't bother, he won't do it, his son will do it, and I will ensure that somebody from his lineage sits on the throne forever. You know, because he had that good thoughts towards the Lord, the Lord said, I'm making this covenant with David, go and tell him. And after he heard, he just went, and the Bible said he was in a hurry, he didn't stand, he, he, he sat down, because he meant business, he thanked God. I want to challenge you this morning to take up the gratitude challenge. Okay? Take up this gratitude of thanksgiving. Take it up. Because this is what we see that made the man David. He had challenges like you and I, but he looked away from his challenges. He learned to appreciate the Lord. He learned to thank the Lord for the seemingly small and the obviously big things. David appreciated God. He was a man that was given to appreciation. You can say what you have is small, but can we thank the Lord for it? I want you to take up the, the, the gratitude or, or, or thanksgiving challenge you know, with the Lord. Take it up this month of May. Make up your mind. Sometime, I, I, I believe it was during this lockdown, I, I told my children too, I gave them like a law. You know, it's this time that I can do that kind of thing. I give them like a law. I said, every morning you wake up, I want you to have five things that you are thanking the Lord for. Compose really. Five. And I gave them the first two. I said, these first two, they don't change. But add any three to it. And if you have more than three that you want to add, go ahead and add. One, thank the Lord for the salvation of your soul. We often forget it. That is a privilege. There are several people out there that have not given their lives to Christ. They are not even thinking about it. Some are not running after the Lord. You are burning your credit right now. You are burning data to say you want to come online. Some people say, what is there? What is there? You know, let's just uh, leave it, job. You don't need to, to do, you don't do your Bible. But you know what it means to gather together with other believers. And that's what you are doing this morning. Some people are out there. They don't have an idea. They don't understand what you, they don't have greed. To understand that there is something called being born again, coming close to the Lord. They are lost completely. Amen. They are lost. Some people are born into Muslim homes. And so they don't have the kind of um, 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 upbringing that you had or the, the, the pedestal upon which you started out in life. Some of us are more privileged. You know, you might not look at it that way, but that is the truth. So appreciate the Lord for the salvation of your soul. Appreciate the Lord for the salvation of the souls of members of your family. I said to Ifeoluwa, appreciate the Lord that, I am a, that your mom is a Christian, that your brother is a Christian. Because if we are not, you will know that there can be two kinds of life. 
because some things are going smoothly right now because you don't have a mother that is donating you to in the, in the witchcraft coven to say, ah, if my daughter I want to donate now, I just make it such that she will not even understand anything she's reading in school. She will not understand anything. Her ways will be this, her ways will be that. You don't have a mother like that because your mother's heart is in the hands of the Lord. Appreciate the Lord for that. If you have a brother that is wicked, that will frustrate your life. You will know that life can be more difficult. Whatever way you are looking at life right now and you think some things are not, are not beautiful, appreciate the Lord that you know God. Appreciate him for members of your family. If it's just one person that is born again, if it's two people, if you are married, the fact that your husband is in the faith with you, you need to ask women that are not in that their husbands are not in the faith. You can't you, you can't say you are you are you are rest assured in your home. You don't know where, what the man is up to. You don't know if he's diverting funds. You don't know if he's cheating on you. You don't know if he's sleeping around and bringing sickness to you. You don't know. So the fact that we have people, let's appreciate them. Let's appreciate the Lord for them, for the salvation of their souls. And I said, so any three other things that you want, appreciate the Lord. But let's let the three remaining things change. You can take up your, your challenge this morning and say, you know what? Ten, every, every day I want to look for ten things. And you will see that for, as it starts, it might be difficult for you. To come up with 10 things every day to appreciate the Lord for. But you are teaching yourself, teaching your heart to recognize something. To recognize the fact that God is good to you. Because we often forget it. And that's why we are prone to, um, we are prone to um, feeling down. We are pr- Some people are prone to depression. Because they can't see light at the end of the tunnel. You can't see light at the end of the sun. We are believers. If you are truly believe, a believer, that you know that God is for you. There are some things that the enemy has planned for evil. You will just not see it. Like I was saying to us on Thursday when we had the PCG, that, you know, I listened to this song by uh, Dr. Eden. Just stay with that slide, one slide for now. Thank you. Um, the, um, this song, uh, uh, um, Happy, by Pharrell Williams. The lyrics, I read the lyrics of the song, it said, see, whatever bad news wants to come, and you come, say it to me, but let me just tell you ahead of time, I am happy, and therefore there is nothing you are going to do that will make me come down from this, my state of everything is going to work out well for me. For a Christian, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you know everything will work out. It's Romans 8, 28 says to us, we know. We are persuaded that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So you are just, you, you are, you, there is that rock bottom belief or trust that everything will work out. And therefore, you can thank God. You can appreciate God more. Take up the challenge of giving thanks to the Lord. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord. Appreciate him. Second Samuel 22, um, you can write down verse 1 to 51. We're not going to read it. Fear not. But verse 51 David was saying to the Lord in verse no, in verse 15. I want you to just read through verses 1 to 51, but I'll read verse um, 50 alone to you. Samuel started, no, David, sorry, started out from the beginning. This was after the Lord um, delivered him from his enemies, majorly King Saul, when he was delivered and the battle was over. You, know, you don't know what it is to be running for your life. When he was crowned, when he was anointed by Prophet Samuel initially, when he was like a teenager, anointed that time and he was given the word that you will rule over Israel. He did not know. The prophet did not tell him that for the next 20 years, oh, you are going to be running from pillar to post, trying to save your life, running away from King Saul. They didn't tell him. He had the anointing, but then he did not have the crown. 
Saul had the crown. Saul did not have the anointing because at a point, the spirit of the Lord lifted up from him. But David was not so. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a smooth ride for David. But eventually, when the battle became over and the Lord delivered him from King Saul, that was when he, he, he sang this praise, this praise of God's deliverance, sang it to the Lord. That's this account that you have in Second Samuel 22. That was when David sang this song to the Lord. From verse 1 up until verse 49, he went on magnifying, magnifying, magnifying God. He now got to verse 50. He said, therefore, therefore means with all the things that I've said ahead though, I said all of those things to come to this point. He said, therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. You know that David sang, you know, most of the psalms that we have, he sang most of them. He was a man given to thanks. I want to challenge you to give yourself over to thanks. Learn to be more appreciative than if you have been a very thankful person. I want you to do it more. Do it for more. Be more appreciative. Be more, be more um, 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 grateful to the Lord. The seemingly small things. The fact that you have a roof over your head. The fact that you have a house. You know, it was raining yesterday and I was in the room. I was just, I, I, I can't remember what I was doing. But I just stopped. And I said, God, I thank you that I'm not out in the rain. I'm not in a place where, you know, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, you know, talk down on anybody this morning. But I was saying, God, thank you that I'm not having to shift my bed this way and that way. Because it was very windy before the rain came. And I'm like, God, thank you that, you know, my roof did not give way. I'm not in a place that I would have to be taking water container to contain rain, you know, falling from the sky and all that. I'm not shifting bed. I'm in a place, I'm in a house that has luck. Lord, I'm grateful to you. We need to appreciate the Lord. You might not have arrived where you are going, but where you are, several people will give thanks to God if they have what you have. So I want you to be more grateful. Be more grateful. Give more thanks to the Lord because that is what we see with David. The, the, the more you give thanks, it does one thing for us. It makes us to focus our gaze upon the Lord and less and less upon our problems and our challenges. So please develop this attitude of gratitude. You can give yourself a challenge. A friend of mine, I think like two, three weeks ago, decided, see, I'm going to give God thanks, 10 things every day, and I'll be posting it so that I can be accountable. So she was posting on Facebook, on Instagram, and on her WhatsApp every day. At times she would be like, eh, I don't know how the time went to 11.48 at night. She will now quickly post. Initially, it was challenging for her too because she said, it's difficult for our eyes to see, or our hearts rather, to appreciate things. You will be looking, you know, the first few, three, three, four days, she said, was very challenging for her to come up with a list of 10 things to be grateful to the Lord for today. The things might have happened that day, or they happened before. You know, but she said it was challenging. Ah, okay, now time is almost gone. Let me write it down. But it's a good challenge to give yourself. So I want to, some of us to take up that challenge. So we see David in this second Samuel 22 saying, God, all that I said from verse 1 up until verse 49, I said every, all of those verses to come to this verse 50 where I can give you thanks. David was like that. He was a man given to thanks. Amen. Psalm 100, he said several things about appreciating God, coming into his presence with thanksgiving. Amen. We need to practice it more. It just helps you. The devil does not like it. Every time you are starting your prayers, you are ending your prayers, you are thanking God, the devil does not want you to remember the things that the Lord has done. But you should remember, Psalm 103, this same David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. His benefits are huge. He said he's the one that for, he, for, um, um, he forgives your iniquities. It's a blessing that the Lord can forgive. If he decides to hold us you know, up to our, uh, our, our iniquities, 
we will not be able to pay, you know. The fact that he heals our diseases, he heals us. Some of us, you don't even know that you are sick. Before you knew it, you were healed already. Maybe by the time you realize, oh, looks like my body is a bit hot or my breath is becoming hotter than normal. And another one hour or two, by the time you notice that something was wrong, in fact, God had already done the healing. And the next hour, you just realize, oh, I'm okay. Some of us, see, um, um, headache is so strange to you. Pain is so strange to you. Appreciate the Lord. It's not like that for everybody. And even if you have pain, things can be worse off than pain. Amen. So let's appreciate the Lord. You know, initially when this um, um, coronavirus thing started, several people were like, ah, let corona not catch me, let it not catch me. My mother in the Lord said, see, what um, um, corona catching somebody is small. Corona can do worse than catching us. Amen. And that we have seen. People traveled from one place to the other. They got stuck. I know someone that came for somebody's introduction from Ghana to Nigeria. She's been here since that time. She's not been able to return back home. She's a married woman. She's been here. So, Corona might not catch somebody, but Corona can debar us from doing plenty of things that we're supposed to do with our lives. Amen. So, I want us to appreciate the Lord. Let's appreciate Him for the seemingly, especially the in seemingly small things that are not very easy for you to see. Amen. Alright, so Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. The Lord is good, I tell you. The Lord is good. You might not be where you want to be. You might not have all you want to have. But the Lord is good to you. And so learn to appreciate him more. Learn to say thank you to the Lord. Amen. I want us to move on to the next, the second point. And the second point is the fact that David was a man that had the fear of God. The word of the Lord says to us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, is that is where wisdom begins from. Fearing God. Now, don't be in a hurry to say to me, oh, I know that one already. Let her move to number three. I'm not moving to number three yet. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to examine our hearts from time to time. There is something they call cause correction. I've talked about it again and again in this community. You know, several times I've mentioned it. An aircraft departs Muritala Mohammed International Airport and it's going to Gatwick Airport in London. They need to keep doing cause correction because if you leave anything to itself, it, it goes, it veers off course. Be a bit, just a bit. And before you know it, the aircraft lands in a place that it wasn't intended to land. King Saul did not start, he didn't start out that he wanted to, um, what's it called, you know, um, go against the will of the Lord or the word of the Lord. He didn't start out like that. But because he didn't do his, 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 his um, what's it called, um, check, check, he didn't check his heart from time to time. He didn't examine himself from time to time. He landed where he did not plan. And so if we say we should be given to the fear of God, I know you fear God. But I want to remind you of some things again today that will help you to cause correct in case you have, you have started going off. Or if you have not gone off, that will help you to ensure that you stay on track. Amen. David was a man that had the fear of God in him. He knew that his sins could not be covered, but he also knew that there was forgiveness with God. He knew there was pardon with God. He knew that God was merciful, and so he could come to the Lord to say, God, I repent of my sins. So it was because of the... One of the things we know seriously about um, David is the fact that, fine, he was a psalmist. He sang a lot. He gave thanks. So him being a psalmist, you can tie that to the fact that he was a person that was given to thanksgiving, given to gratitude. 
he could sing. He even called himself that, I think, in Second Samuel 22, towards the end of his life, 22 or 23. He said, um, you know, this is the sweet psalmist of, of Israel. He referred to himself as the sweet psalmist of Israel. So he was given to a lot of singing of God's praise, singing of God's um, um, glory, his honor, sang his thanks out to God, and we should covet that and do that also. We should sing thanks to God. Amen. But another thing is, he was a person that was very, was quick to repent. We know that about, about David. He was quick to repent, unlike what we notice for Saul. The reason why Paul, um, David was quick to repent is because the fear of God was in his heart. He had the fear of God, and he made some covenants with the Lord as touching the fear of God that helped him. And it's those covenants I want us to look at as, as we examine these um, characteristics of his life, the fact that he had the fear of God. Amen. I want us to look at... Um, I want us to look at 2 Samuel 23, 15 to 17. 2 Samuel 23, 15 to 17. This was 2 Samuel 15. This is um, very, towards, the, the, towards the end, tail end of his life. You know, uh, well, it wasn't tail end, tail end, but it, it was, um, I'll read from verse 15. It says, And David said with longing, uh, okay, let me read from verse 13. Then three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Riphim. David was then in the stronghold. And the garrison in the stronghold and the garrison of Philistines was then in Bethlehem. This was like 30 miles. It wasn't far away from David, from David at all. They were close. And David said with longing, Oh, you know, they were, if they said, the, 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 verse 14 says, and the, Philist, the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David was hiding from them. He was, he was hiding away from them because if they had seen him, they would have come after him and his men. They were running. They were hiding. Okay? So, and where the Philistines were was not so far away from what Dave, where David and his men were. But David and his men were camped there. They were, the, the, the message translation says, where David was hold, H-O-L-E-D, as he was in hiding. You were supposed to be quiet in that place. Let them not even know that you are here because they were close by. And you know, the way you, um, you can easily notice movement from this place or that place. They were just supposed to be quiet. But David said to his men, he was a longing in his heart. He made the mistake of saying it out. I've listened to Michelle Obama once after they left um, office. And he was saying concerning, the, you know, being in the White House. And, um, you know, the, the kind of power and authority that you wield being in that, on that seat. She said, one of the things is, as the as portals, that's the president of the United States, you can't say carelessly things like, oh, oh and maybe you went for a dinner and they served you a particular fish and you enjoyed that fish. I know some of you might have seen that video. He said you can't say it later that, oh, I enjoyed that fish from, um, I don't know if there is any fish from Saudi Arabia, but let me just say that. I enjoyed that fish from this place. Uh, because if you say it, you don't know how many people will go to any length to go and get it. It's the president of, quote-unquote, the strongest nation that has said that. So anything that your heart desires, they will go get it for you. So Michelle said that's how you will find plenty of people bringing this kind of fish for you after that time. And the bad part of it is that, or the downside of it is that, you have to pay. You have to pay for it as the president. So she said there are plenty, you know, a lot of expenses that they made that she would have wished they don't make it. But you can't make such comments. 
as the president, say, oh, I like that wine from this place. Some, several people will go and get it for you, and all of them will present their invoice. You have to pay. Amen. So David did the same thing here. He didn't know. He just said it. He had a longing in his heart. He could have kept it to himself, but he learned later. He said, oh, that someone will give me the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gates. Verse 16, so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gates, and took it and brought it to David. I don't know what would have been going on in their mind as they were coming. They risked their lives. Their master in command, if there's anything like that, yeah, said, this is what I want. And they went to town to go get it for him. They risked their lives. They're like, this is what Oga wants. Oga must have it. You know, they were supposed to be lying low in that place. But they went because they needed to satisfy their, 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 their master. Okay, so they went, got this water. When they were coming back, maybe they would have been saying to themselves, oh, I can't imagine the look on, um, on David's face when he takes up this, puts this water to his mouth and he's drinking it. I just can't imagine. I'm just waiting to see it. But when they came back, the word of the Lord says to us, still in that verse um, 16, and, uh, okay, and took it and they brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it. Because uh, he will not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord, verse 17. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should drink this, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he will not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. Amen. It was the fear of God, as in, in this kind of um, loyalty. It's only God that should have this. And if I've been privileged, I be- better not allow it to get into my head. And so he disappointed his men. He, he, he feared God much more than the loyalty of these men that he could see on display. He didn't drink that water. I don't know how they fared after that time because the men would have been disappointed. But I'm sure knowing that this man that we have followed is a man after God's heart, they will understand if David explained to them that, you know, I can't do that. And I'm sure he learned his lesson after that time not to talk like that, you know, quote and unquote, carelessly, you know, in the, you know, um, to the hearing of his people because you know they will go to any extent for you. But what I'm driving home here is the fact that David was a man that had the fear of God. He did not allow himself to get into a position that would get into his head. He kept his head cool. He had the fear of God to guide him. How did he arrive at this fear of the God? Let's flip over to Psalm 39. He was a man governed, a man that was principled. He said in um, Psalm 39 verse 1, I said, I'm reading the KJV now, it says, I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle, while the wicked are before me. Amen. I will guard my ways. That is the NKJV. I want to read for you the message translation. It says, I am I'm determined to watch steps and and tongue so they won't land me in trouble we see two things here that david is saying you know the bible talks about the lord jesus the things he began to do and to say we always will have to watch what we do and what we say because these are the things that get us into trouble amen Message translation says, I'm determined to watch steps. I'm going to watch my steps. I'm going to take heed to myself. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to to, to put a surveillance on myself, on my actions, on the things that I do. 
I'm going, I'm, I won't leave things to chance. I'm going to have to be checking myself every time and again, not out of fear. I don't become paranoid over it, but I'm going to assume the responsibility because it is my right to check myself. Not right, sorry. Responsibility to check myself. He said, I am determined to watch my steps and tongue so they don't land me in trouble. I decided. That is a decision now. In KJV, he said, I will guard my ways. That is a decision. Your will. Your will, your soul comes into place. Your soul is, is, is up, it, it determines what you do, what you don't do. So it's, you have to govern this soul because it runs wild. It does its own things. It, likes to, it, it just likes to go to town. It doesn't like to be restrained. It doesn't like to be checkmated or told what to do. But you have to do, you have to check it. You have to checkmate it and tell it what to do and what not to do. He said, I decided to hold my tongue as long as the wicked is in the room. Question for somebody, how long will the wicked not be in the room? Now, don't think figuratively room, room that you are in right now. There might be no wicked in the room that you are in. Amen. And another thing is, the wicked there is not even talking about people, but things that people can say or do that will that, that have the tendency of tempting you to go against what you ought to do. Amen. And the truth is, in as much as we are in this world, you will always have that. Amen. He said, I'm going to have decided to hold my tongue as long as the wicked is in the room. The NLT translation says, I said to myself, I called myself to a conference. We had the one-to-one talk. I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I'm going to watch what I do and I will not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly, where the ungodly are, where they are, when they are around me, I'm going to hold my tongue. This was huge secret. Amen. Right here that we see for David's life. This was a huge secret for his life. And we need to, like David also, we need to make this covenant. This kind of covenant, you might have made it before. Maybe you have forgotten. You want to go back to it and say, God, I'm reenacting this covenant I made with you. I'm revisiting it. I'm renewing it. Amen. Two things, if we look at this Psalm 39 here, two things that he said. He said, what I do and then what I say. I'm going to I'm going to make a covenant. I'm going to watch myself. I'm going to make a covenant with you, and then I'll have the responsibility of watching myself. David, remember the covenant that he made with God to walk circumspectly and be very cautious both of what he, he, he said and what he did. He made a covenant with the Lord. Amen. Because opportunities will come for you and I that will want to make us sin, that want to tempt us to sin. But we must call to mind the fact that we have made a vow to the Lord not to sin. In what we do and in what we say. I have made a vow. Things will come. Circumstances will come. That will, that will come and challenge us. Remember that we need to master this thing very well. This thing trips us. It makes us fall. People are up today. They are down tomorrow. See there is more to our life than falling into sin and coming out of sin. And so the earlier we master this part and move on to higher things, stronger things, um, um, higher callings, the better for us, the better for the kingdom of God. There are things that the Lord you know, would want you and I to do. But, but what, what we see in this place is opportunities will come for you to sin. And God is very faithful. Jeremiah 2.20, he said, God will always remind us of this covenant. As he reminded Israel in that Jeremiah 2.20, somewhere in between that 2.20, it's not the beginning of the verse and it's not the end, but somewhere in between, the Lord said, and you said, I will not sin. 
So God uh, is faithful. He reminds us of this covenant that you have said the Holy Spirit will come to you. The Holy Spirit will remind you that you have said you will not sin. But am I going to listen to him at that point or not? Amen. He chose to fear God because he made covenant with the things he did and the things that he said. So if I'm looking at the, the things he did first, his ways, his actions, as a person, uh, we too, you, you have to decide. You have to take it to your ways. You have to um, watch your ways. You need to watch yourself. Watch what you do. Don't allow yourself get careless. Watch yourself. No, next on that, um, or in looking at our ways, watch your ways. The next thing, make a decision. Make a decision. Make a decision, a resolution that you are going to be careful in what you do. You will not leave things to chance. And if you need to renew that decision, renew it because it's your responsibility. Renew that decision, not to leave things to chance. You are going to watch yourself. You are not going to just allow yourself. You are going to decide deliberately. So, okay, you, 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 you decide that you are going to watch your ways. You make a covenant with yourself that I'm not going to just allow myself to do anything. I'm going to checkmate myself. I'm going to examine myself, examine my ways, examine what I do, how I do. Because at times it's not, it's not what you, you know, okay, well, for what, what we say, most times it might not even be what you say, it is what you do. But I'm not even coming, to, I've not gotten to say yet. What we do, make that decision to mind your ways and remind yourself of it when temptations come calling. That is a covenant that you have to keep. Remind yourself, you have to always remind yourself. You have situations coming your way, you want to react in a way, you remind yourself. It's your responsibility too. God is faithful. The Holy Spirit is faithful. He will remind you. He will remind you that you have made a covenant so that you will not sin. But are you going to listen at that time or not? We have to hold ourselves more responsible, more yes, responsibly than we than we do. Hold yourself more, uh, hold yourself responsible rather more than we've been doing in time past. Hold yourself responsible. Don't give excuse for you to yourself. That the reason why I fled up, the reason why I cheated, the reason why I lied, the reason why I did this is because every time you give a reason, you are not, you don't understand what we're talking about yet. If you can, if there is a reason to sin, then you don't understand what I'm talking about concerning David yet. That he had the fear of God, and that fear of God, he made a covenant. I'm going to watch what I do. I'm going to be responsible over what I say. I am responsible. You are the chief responsibility officer over your life. So I'm going to watch what you do. The Lord will bring to your remembrance you don't necessarily have to behave in a bad way. You don't have to. There is, nobody is putting a gun to your head to say, do this bad behavior. You don't have to. Husband and wives, have, you, know, you have a, you have a discussion, it's an argument or something. You can, you can do everything within your power not to be rude or not to say a bad word. You can. You can decide that you will not be mean in your action. You can. You can decide that you will not retaliate evil for evil. You can. We can do it. And so we have to... David said, I have made a, cover, I have made a covenant. He said in that um, Psalm 39 verse 1, he said, I have, I have said I'm going to guard my ways. I'm going to be the, 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 the security man, the gate man over what I say and what I do. So you also have to be like that security man over your life. Amen. All right? So that's the first thing we see. And the second part that we see in this Psalm 39, we'll look at... Um, after that Psalm 39, I think we have just... Uh, maybe one more scripture to look at and I'll be bringing this to a close. Amen. 
Alright, the second thing is in the words that you say. Take it in the words that you say. This is one of the, these are some of the things that helped David. There were times that he was in the, uh, you know, as he, as he was running from Saul. You remember that there was a time, this particular action that we read in this second Samuel 20, what did we read just now, 22, right? That we just saw right now, 23, that we read earlier on. He did not do something. He could have gone on to take that water. Ah, this water is now here. I've been longing for it. Okay, I understand God. I've taken correction. That thing that you said, I shouldn't have said it out to them. I shouldn't have allowed them to risk their lives. Okay, God, I've heard. But this water, let me still drink it. But he didn't do it because he had a choice. He was police, he was a no, no, he was security man over his own actions. He did not allow himself to do it. He poured it out. That water was expensive, but he poured it out. He didn't take it. He wasted it, more or less. And it was like worship to the Lord, I'm sure. The Lord saw it and the Lord was glad that he passed his test. So you have your own test also to pass. pass. Watch your ways, guide your ways. Number two thing that we see in this Psalm 39 that we can learn from David is the fact that he took it to his words. David remembered, you know, he remembered that he had covenants concerning tongue sins. The sins that we can commit with our tongue, with the things that we say. The Bible says if you will tame your mouth, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of, um, we will have more peace on the face of the earth. If more of us will learn to tame our mouth, keep our mouth in check. Amen. You know, this particular, um, um, what's it called? This topic here now, watching your mouth, guarding your mouth. I read through Psalm 73 and I, 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 you won't have the time to read through it, but I beg you. Go ahead and read that Psalm 73. Somebody asked this question in Brother for last discipleship class during the week. The, the, the man was saying, the young man was saying during the discipleship class that, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, I thought that everything should be rosy and beautiful. I thought that the, there would be the end would have come to my trouble, to my challenges. I'm sure quite a number of us felt like that too, especially if we were not taught very well at the beginning. But he said, I'm surprised to see that, he said, the neighborhood where I live, there are plenty of people that are not Christians, and they live anyhow, and they enjoy life. You know, reading through that Psalm 73, one should just give it to that young man and say, go and read this, because David went through this, um, this junction to this bus stop. He, got, he passed through this part of um, this lane also. David in Psalm 73, he said, see, when I considered, when I looked at how people, their pride, their arrogance, the fact that they were doing things as they wanted, you know, I think it was the verse 9 that said, their tongue walks all about the whole of the earth as in their tongue is just everywhere they don't guard their tongue you know and they are prospering they are doing well i expect that we will do well because we are children of god but you know it's not like that i still have my struggles i have my challenges what's happening here and these people that have not given their lives to christ are living the life that some of us would have dreamt we, you know we dreamt we will live when after coming to christ so david also was confused and he was lamenting and you know with david he would say it but he was always quick to see the lord Amen. And so he said, if I'd, he said, I would have said this. And if I had said it, I would have sinned against even generations to come. So David guarded his mouth in the things he said both to God and what he said to man. Amen. Let me see if I can, even though I, I will, we will read everything, but let me just go through some. Psalm 73, he said, um, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there was no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. You know, he went on and on and on. And he said in um, verse 15, 
He said if I had said this, if I had said, you know, at some point if you read up, he was saying, is it that God is not seeing? Is it that God is not looking at us? He said, yeah, surely I have just kept my innocence in vain. In vain have I kept myself from, from all the things that the people of the world do. In vain have I said I've come to become a Christian. In vain am I saying I'm keeping myself for when I'll get married. In vain have I said I'm not going to cheat on this uh, on my, my boss. In vain, you know, he was saying that as if God does not care. Anything you like, do. He said, I would have said that. He now said, if I had said, if I had said, I would, if I said I would speak this way, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. I would have said something wrong to the people coming after me. He said, but when I thought how to understand this, it was painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. That is verse 17. So he held his, he held his mouth. He did not go ahead to say anything. So you and I also have a responsibility to keep our mouth, to watch what you say. Because you realize that in fights, in um, bitterness, being, being stirred up and all that, quite a number of these things are tied to what we say and what we don't say. We have a responsibility to guard our mouth, to put a lock on our mouth if there is anything like that. Put a lock on it. Put a, 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 a lock, yes, like you are putting a padlock on your mouth. You know, when David was talking about this, like this um, Psalm 73, if you read through it, he was saying that I kept quiet. It was as if he was literally putting his mouth to his hand like this to say there is something, some corruption, some, some wrong words. And it's, you know, like that, um, what's it called, Psalm 39 that we read. He said, I, I said I will, I, will, I will keep my ways and I will, I will watch my mouth. That's Psalm 39, if you read through it. He said there were, there were times, especially when the wicked was in the room with him. He could have said anything. The wicked can be, you know, any, you know people. What they say, what they do. You can, I watched a, a, I saw a cartoon with the children, I think like two weeks back. Um, okay, after the children's church sent message that people should, children should draw bumblebee, confession, I didn't know anything about bumblebee until uh, Sawinye sent it to me that day. Okay, so I saw bumblebee picture for the first time and I became aware. My reticular activating system, like Pastor Totos, became opened. So when I, I, I saw this uh, movie, no, no, this cartoon in, uh, I think, Sakemi's house, I was like, oh, that is Bumblebee, because now my RAS was at work. So I saw, I said, that's Bumblebee. They said, yes, that is it. I, I guess I was the last one to know. <laughs> okay, so I saw the bee, and, you know, that particular cartoon that we looked at, they were, the, the idea was, um, the, like, the bee community was complaining that human beings are taking their honey, that they work hard for, and they are saying, no, you, we are taking them to court, you know. So figure um, that... Um, scenario. So the beast took the human beings to court and a judge was supposed to, you know, decide the case. And a man that was representing the human race was saying something that really aggravated this other lawyer being. This bee was supposed to be a lawyer for the bee community. And, you know, this other man had a plan in mind. The, mind, the, the plan was, I'm going to say something that will get this bee very um, pained so that he will come and he will, he will um, what's that word now, sting me. It was from that movie I learned that when bees get aggravated, when, that even when they sting, you know, when you say you, you get stung by a bee, it's because they got aggravated, they got, um, 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 they came out of control, something as in they became threatened, yes, that's when they actually sting. So they don't sting normally, they sting as, a, as like protection for themselves or um, when they get um, threatened, that's when they do it. 
So when they, then they lose their balance, when they lose their cool, they don't know what to do. So before you know it, they just sing. But when they sing, it actually hurts them. I learned from that, from that cartoon. I really, I'm not a fan of cartoon, you know, but I watched that particular one. For some reasons, I just watched and I learned. So this man, this lawyer, said something to get this bee angry. The bee got angry, and that was the man's intention. So that the bee will come and sting him, because he knows that if he gets too angry, he will come and sting. And he came and he said, but when you sting, it actually hurts you yourself. Every time that, you know, that was what happens. Because after that thing, the next thing I saw was this bee was, quote-unquote, in an hospital bed, and they were taking care of him. And like, ah, what happened to him? They said, ah, every time they sing, they fall sick. It's, it's painful for them. So you, it's not something they like to do, because it hurts them. It injures them, if I, if I may be allowed to use that word. It injures them to sting. So not only do they, you know, injure you, the person that they have um, stung, they get injured also. So for us also... We need to guard, and you know, the learn, learning point for me is guard yourself. Because you know that every time you allow yourself go loose, every time you become, um, 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 you become um, careless, you are also doing yourself. Amen. So we need to guard ourselves. Guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. Don't allow your mouth land you in trouble like the message translations say. Don't allow the things you do and the things you say. Don't let them guard you in trouble. Amen. Don't say you want to give the person a piece of your mind. Okay, what is the objective? Is it to release your own anger? Is the objective to make yourself feel better? It's not necessary because every time you do it, you put yourself in a bad place. We have work to do, men and women. Our, our battle is not to be oscillating between good and evil, staying out of sin and in sin. Mm-mm. We have much more. God has assignment for us that we need to you know there are bigger things that we need to look at. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. He advances his kingdom through you and I. If I'm in my place as a writer, there is something that God can do with my life as a, as a writer. If I'm in my place as a music director, there are things that the Lord can do. There are, there, are, there are ideas that the Lord can birth through you and I that will move things forward. Just contributing your own quota. So we are not oscillating between, am I saying it right? Or not? We need to go past that. We need to master our emotions more. What God is interested in at every point in time is redemption. So if you're saying it, I want to tell the, give the person a piece of my mind. If that piece of my mind is not going to bring redemption into that man or woman, into that situation, you have no business releasing that thing. Put a lock on your mouth. Amen. Put a lock. It will help us. Put a lock. Because every time we do it, we feel bad. We have gone back to ground zero. We have to come back again and learn it. Let's learn this thing and move on to higher deals. Amen. We need to. So we have to seek the good of the people that we are talking to at every point in time. Because they are free. we have bigger fish to fry. That is beyond keeping ourselves in check of um, sin. Amen. Amen. So the, the whole earth, the, words, the Bible says, the whole earth waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. We need to live out our lives. Lives of exploits. David's mighty men, they came to him at Kevadulam. But they didn't stay. The Bible said they came to him dejected, in debt, you know, depressed. They were everything, dissatisfied, discontent, everything. But they didn't stay there. They didn't use, like Yorubas would say, if we use 20 years to learn how to be a mad person, how many years gone will I now use to display that madness? We don't, we don't want to stay with mastering, um, you know, staying in sin, staying off sin. Let's learn some of the things from the life of David so that we can move on to be the bigger fish that we, have to, that we have to fry. Amen. These mighty men of David, destiny was calling out to them and they rose up with their master. So we're going to resolve like David also to watch our tongue. 
watch your, your, your tongue sins, the, possibi- the possibility of, of sinning with our tongue. We need to restrain corruption from breaking out of our mouth, out of our lips. We're going to muzzle our, um, our mouth or our lips, muzzle it, bridle it, put a lock on it, whatever. I'm going to be conscious. I'm going to be responsible for what comes out of it. I'm going to accept responsibility. You know, and then David said, especially when you have the wicked around, you are going to put a double guard. If you double guard, because there are people around that will say things, do things that will get you angry. We need to learn not to get ourselves like that, not to be like that be that you become too angry, you now you know say things that you will regret later. You say things that will betray your faith. You know, you say things that you now feel you know um, condemned by yourself, and the devil keeps telling you, you see, I've told you that this Christianity is not for you. You take one step forward, you take two backwards. Mm-mm. Because some of us is just with our mouth. Maybe lying, anger, shouting, you know, losing your temper and saying anything. I'm going to say the way it is. We can be disciplined. Let's, 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 um, um, let's um, employ discipline. Discipline in what you do. Discipline in what you say. Amen. Don't allow people get you provoked. The wicked that we have in this Psalm 39 verse 2 said, especially when the wicked is around, I'm going to guard my mouth like double lock it. Be on double guard because the wicked is around. Because when the wicked is around, you, you, you can be tempted to say what they, they can, they can infuriate you, get you angry. Or maybe they are saying something, it may not be anger. They are saying something that it, you know, make them look like everything is okay for them. You also want to feel, you want to feel like you belong. And so you say a little lie. What is not available, you say it is available. What you have not done, you say you've done because you want to feel among and feel good. That is the time to also be double careful. Amen. Let's watch our thoughts because our thoughts are powerful. Our thoughts are not just them um, little things. If you look right now that you are in the room, look at your room. Just look around you in the room where you are. Everything that your eyes are falling upon are things that somebody thought about. The things we, do, we have not seen at all in this world are the things that people have not thought about. Our thoughts are that powerful. And so you don't want to leave any thoughts lying low, you know, just running rampage. Mm-mm. We need to guard our thoughts. Our thoughts are powerful. Thoughts became the things we can see. Somebody thought them of everything. This laptop that I'm looking at like this, somebody thought it up and that's how it became this. So thoughts are powerful. If we give it to the thoughts, give it to the thoughts, it becomes something. We give it, quote and unquote, a, a life. We bring it into life. The same way we, we can decide whether to bring children into the world or not bring children. You know, we can populate the earth much more than we have populated it. We can do more. But we have decided, no, we will allow two children to come through my family. I will allow five children to come through my family. The same way we, we decide what to allow or not to, not, not to allow. That's how we ought to guard our thoughts. Because our thoughts can give birth to a whole lot, whether good or bad. So we need to watch our thoughts. Because if you read that Psalm 39, we don't have enough time to go into it. So David was saying, as I kept quiet, my thoughts were, you know, welling up and, you know, it was as if I was boiling because he was allowing his thoughts to run rampage. We bring into captivity. Amen. Especially when you know it's not a good, um, what's it called? A good um, thought. The fact that you can, you have words that you can say or you have thoughts does not mean we just allow it. A policeman has a gun, but he doesn't have the right to just shoot everybody down. We use it responsibly. So we have words. We need to govern our mouth, put a lock on it, and allow the Spirit of God help you so that you can use your words 
constructively, use it responsibly to build our children up, build our friends up, build your brother, build your sister, build your neighbor up. Amen. David, at some point, you know, he went to another extreme. He said, I held my mouth, like forcing bad words not to come out. Because when I look at the way these men are doing, these wicked people, I have words in my heart. I have a piece of my mind I want to give to them. But he said, I held myself. He was good in that, but he did it to an extreme also. If you read that Psalm 39, he said, even when good, even to good, he kept quiet. So we don't keep quiet so when we need to speak for good. We can remember you are guarded against negative things that will, that, will, that will cause death, that will not lead to redemption. But when we know that we ought to speak life, let's go ahead and speak it because we have a responsibility to, to ensure that life is being, um, is being spread, the life of God is being spread all around. Amen. So I, I wanted to just note this, that where this temptation is stronger to sin, the resolution against it also must be very strong. Where you have a higher tendency to sin, then you must have a higher resolution not to sin. And that is why we don't leave it to chance. Ephesians 4.29, I'm closing with this. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of a defined, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Amen. So in as much as we are going to guide ourselves, David allowed God to guide him not to sin in the things he did and also in the things he said. You also are going to guide yourself, you are going to allow the Spirit of God help you. That you will guide yourself in the things that you do and the things that you say. You are going to ensure that the things that you say is to the edification of people, not to their pulling down. This is, you know, for David, he, he came close to um, where Saul was, and it was a good opportunity to kill Saul, like some of his servants told him. He said, see, the Lord has put your enemy in your hands right now. Just kill him, and the end of all of this running up and down will be over. But because he feared God, he didn't do it. Saul was in his hand to kill. He caught a piece of his garment, and the Bible said his conscience pricked him. We'll look at that next week. His dependence upon the Holy Spirit. His, no, not next week, rather. The next time I'm, 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 I'm privileged to speak with you. His conscience pricked him. He, he couldn't go over, he couldn't get over it. And he said, no, I'm not going to do this. And he warned his men not to touch Saul. He said, he's the anointed of God. You don't speak ill concerning him. You don't touch him. Amen. So I'm going to be bringing this to a close. I want, you to, I want us to pray. I'm going to just going to give you time, like a minute. Pray and say, God, I, I commit myself into your hands. I'm making a renewal of my covenant to be responsible over the things I do and the things I say intentionally. I know that all of us hearing me, everybody hearing me, you have done this before. But you might have let your guard lose. Okay, so you're going to renew that covenant today. Amen. Go ahead. We've learned two things. Being um, thankful. I want you to say to the Lord, I'm going to, uh, you're going to show that more in this coming week. You're going to show it more. You're going to look around you. You can give yourself 15 things every day. It might be five things like my children that you want to thank the Lord for. Appreciate the Lord for the, 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 the salvation of your soul, the salvation of the souls of members of your family that have come to know God. Just go ahead and, and appreciate the Lord. Go ahead and say, God, I thank you and I'm going to give myself more to this. And two, I'm going to watch over the things I do and the things I say. I'm going to be the chief security officer over the things I do and the things I say in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to just allow things run rampage. I'm not going to just allow, be careless in the name of Jesus. Jesus, go ahead and pray, go ahead and pray, go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, 
Almighty God, we appreciate you this um, afternoon. We thank you for the opportunity to look into your word and to look into the life of David particularly and glean from his life, O God. Father, I pray that you will help us, O God, even as we have made a decision yet again. We have reminded ourselves yet again because we knew this before that we will be more grateful, we will be more thankful. Lord, I pray that you will help us to keep our eyes upon you and upon the things that you have done for us so that we can remember to give thanks to you. After the Lord Jesus healed the lepers, they went away and only one came back. He healed ten of them, only one came back. And Jesus said, were there not ten people healed? Excuse me. Where are the remaining nine? That is to tell you that the Lord appreciates Thanksgiving. The Lord, he loves Thanksgiving. He loves it when we come back to give thanks to him, to appreciate him for the seemingly small things especially, not the big breaks only. Father, we pray that you will help us to be more um, grateful in the name of Jesus. We also pray, O oh God, that you help us to be responsible in the things that we do and the things that we say. Let's be more responsible over our life actions and sayings in the name of Jesus. Thank you, our Father, for we prayed in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. This message was a presentation of the Metamorphosis Christian Center. We believe you have been blessed and thank you for listening. You can connect with us on WhatsApp via the number 0909-805-4817. We would also love to have you worship with us by 9 a.m. every Sunday at Afri Hotel Hall, Central Business District, Abuja. There's always a place for you. Metamorphosis Christian Center. Reaching. Raising. Releasing. Releasing.